Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello again, everybody. Well, today we're going to finish out the Light of the World series. World series. Light of the World series. Um, sounded pretty cool the first time. Um, we've covered uh, the birth of Christ, and we went to the sign given by the angel to the shepherds. And then Friday night, Christmas Eve, we did the reason here in service why he came. And then today uh, I added a fourth one, uh, just calling it Helpful Words, where I'm going to look at the aftermath of the birth of the Messiah, Ananias and and Anna in the temple. They're the specific players that we'll look at and how they interact with Mary's life. And what I'm going to talk about today, I, I think it's very important that we practice such things as a body of believers. Um, before I get into all this, these, this helpful words idea, I just want to share with you, next week we just have an independent message. It will not be a series starter or a series ender. It's an independent message. But then on January 9th, uh, we're going to begin a series called Answers. And we're basing it off First Peter chapter 3, where Peter writes, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that is within you. And so the idea there uh, is that we want to help you uh, when you share faith or people ask you questions because the whole text, the verse said, whoever asks you, that you have answers for things. And some of the prevailing questions that we think it's an eight-week series, we're going to begin by answering, you know, how do I know God exists? How do I know that there is a God? And then we'll go into how do I how how do I know that Jesus really rose from the dead, and other topics in there. We're going to look at well, how how come us Christians say that Christianity is the only way? Why why is this the only way? Why can't other ways be the only way? Uh, we're going to look at why doesn't God do something about evil and suffering? Why why doesn't God do stuff about this? Why does He just seem to be laid back like uninterested in this stuff? We're going to look at God and sex. Anybody interested in that one right there? You don't you have to get too excited about that one, okay? Um, and then we're gonna look at the old, you know, why are these Old Testament laws are kind of strange and weird, and do I need to follow these things as a Christian? What, what's going on here? And those are just some of the some of the topics we're gonna cover, uh, beginning January the 9th. Sound like a good series coming up? I think it sounds like a good one to myself. Now, helpful words today, and like I said, this is something that I don't know that we tap into enough yet. It is so foundational, instrumental, and helpful in our lives. Have you ever just needed a right word at a right time in your life? I think we all have. I mean, who, who hasn't needed that? Because you see, a right word at a right time can help us endure through suffering. Can it not? A right word at a right time can also give us hope for a better tomorrow. A right word at a right time can also in our lives give us, uh, or I should say, confirm something that God has already placed on our heart. Can it not? And those are all great things that happen right there. So we're going to look at Mary's life because there are certain words being spoken to her through Simeon and Anna in the temple after the birth of Jesus. 
I want to show you something first about her life that maybe you did and maybe you didn't catch as you've read the story of her life, especially in Luke. So in Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. In Luke chapter 1, and I always encourage you to bring your Bible or on your app, whatever, follow along so you learn your Bible. You live in a time where people are going to ask you questions. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to know how to get there and what these things say. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 and 47, it says this. And Mary said, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, she says, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced. Say rejoiced. Rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, you see this rejoicing aspect of her life. Correct? That's pretty obvious, right? Now, watch chapter 2. Look at verse 34 and verse 35. Watch this about, this is Simeon now speaking to Mary. And he says this, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. That don't sound good. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, Mary, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, that's a pretty heavy statement, is it not? So if you think about the two uh, parts of Mary's life, on the one side, there's great rejoicing. This is going to be great. But on the other side, the very same event is going to bring a lot of pain. You see that right there? There's this up and there's this down, and there's this high, and there's low. It's almost like, well, guys, how many know that's just the way life is, right? It's filled with ups, and it's filled with downs. It's almost like the stock market, if you're in the stock market, right? When it's down, you gotta ride it out, don't you? Because you, you kind of know that it's going to come back up, and you gotta trust that. That's the way life is. It's up and down. For instance, some of you in the room today, or watching at home, you're, it's a very uptime for you. It's like things are really clicking on all cylinders. You now don't have any problems or trials that really weigh on you at all. So it's a real uptime. But you know, since it's an uptime, you remember when it was a downtime. Any amens? You know what those feel like. So do I. But if you're in a downtime where life, life's not clicking right now, things are going wrong and something bad has happened, but you know that from the past you've had uptimes, have you not? So you know it's kind of this up and down, and some of us in this room, we're kind of in between up and down. You know what I mean? We're just even Stephen. Nothing wrong, nothing great. It's just kind of even Stephen right now for us. And that's just the way life kind of floats all over the place like that. Well, in our times, especially in those low times, down times, or even the even Stephen times, a, a word at the right time, a right word at the right time, can really help our lives. And so Mary is coming into the temple after the birth of Jesus, and she's going to receive some words from a couple people, Simeon and Anna, that are just going to help her. And it's going to help her, not even in particularly in the moment, but it's going to help her in the future of her life. So here's what we're going to do today. If you're in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read 21 to 24 of Luke 2. Then I'm going to give you some commentary on that. And then I'm going to go into two points, one from each person, from Simeon, a point from his life, and from Anna, a point from her life, and how they're speaking right words into the life of Mary at that time. So, Luke chapter 2, 
21 to 24. Let me read it. Then let me give you some foundational stuff to, so you get the picture of what's going on here. When eight, and when eight days had passed, before his, this is Jesus, his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law, now he quotes from Exodus chapter 13, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So the firstborn male, holy to the Lord, Exodus chapter 13, they're drawn from there, Lucas. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, let me kind of fill in some blanks for us here. Now, they're bringing him in. He's, I'm sorry. He's already been circumcised on the eighth day. This is something you find, get, go back in Genesis. And the Jewish boy would be circumcised because circumcision is... Um, uh, the outward sign of a covenant relationship in Yahweh God, that you believe in Yahweh God. So that's how you knew, in a sense, like for us in the New Testament, like that's how you knew they were saved. Now, how many of you glad we're not doing that anymore if you got saved at age 40 or something like that, right? Be like, okay, guys, just come on back. We're going to circumcise you right now. That'd be kind of like, that's a deal breaker, Jim. Um, don't really want to follow this stuff, right? But, um, but that was their covenant of faith. If you look in Colossians you see where also for us, though, as New Testament believers, the outward sign for us that I'm a believer in Yahweh is water baptism. So we get water baptized, and that's a proclamation to everyone watching that I believe in Yahweh God. I believe in God. So it's shifted a bit for us, and thank God, you know, for that one right there. Now, the angel says his name will be um, Jesus, and that's who, what he told Joseph in the dream. Now, what's interesting about that is in the Jewish culture, uh, paternity was legal, not biological. Now, Joseph's not his real father. We know that because he's been conceived by the Spirit of God. And so, because Joseph, as you read in the scriptures, Joseph gives him the name Jesus. Mary doesn't name. Joseph says his name is Jesus. And that means Joseph is legally saying, that is my son right there. How many understand that is a great thing that he did for that boy and for the family because there'll be all kinds of scuttlebutt in years to come that he's illegitimate, correct? And so here comes old Joseph is, that's my boy, it's legal, I'm his dad and that's it. He's a right guy, he's an up, stand-up guy. Now, it says that she comes in there for the days of purification and in Leviticus 12, you find the writings on this, the laws on this. And for a boy, it's 40 days after he's born. You come in and you present the offering for purification. Now, if you notice, they're not offering a lamb. They're offering um, a, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's, that's what they're, as you read in the story, I should say. But you find that you could offer that, and they're offering that. So what that tells us in the family of Mary and Joseph is they just don't have a lot of money. They cannot afford a lamb. 
So they've got to go down to the cheaper level that's afforded to, uh, by God that you could do this. A couple pigeons is what you're offering. So now you find that Jesus is not living in the most wealthy family whatsoever as he comes. And here he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords of the entire universe. Isn't that amazing? Now, what I like about everything is as Luke inserts in verse 23, the offering for the firstborn male who opens the womb. Now, doesn't your mind, if you've been following God for a while, you've been in church for a while, you've been reading the scriptures, you follow that and you see your cross reference in there, Exodus 13, where it comes from. Now you begin to set your mind that, oh, okay, he's the firstborn of the family. And so this, according to Old Testament, he's going to be dedicated unto God. He will be set aside for service to God for the rest of his life. And so now you find Mary, who's coming to the temple, fulfilling the Old Testament law, doing all the right stuff, and now she's saying, I'm going to make sure that my child is set uh, apart for God for the rest of his life. Question parents. How many know that in parenting, there are always payoffs based on how we parent, whether good or bad? Any amens on that? That's just what it is. Now, she is making a lot of right decisions, and some of you have made all the right decisions, and your kids still went crazy. Amen? But most of the time, if you make all the right decisions, I should say most right decisions, none of us make all right decisions, that the payoff is that that child is going to grow up to be a good, upstanding citizen, and in our case, we want them to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, correct? That's the big payoff. Nothing else really matters. I'll talk about that more in a second. Because you know as a parent that you're raising them right in the middle of a culture that's upside down. You know, so you know they're going to be battling through life and all these things coming at them. So you know that their spiritual life and understanding and learning about God is vital. It's very important that they're built on proper foundations because of all these things that will come at them as they come at you and I that we, need, we can fight those things off. Now, she's in the temple area, which means probably in the court of women. It's called the court of women where women came to the, the, the temple there. And it's in this place, while she's obeying the Old Testament law, and doing all the right stuff, it's here that something's going to happen. It's here in that right time, right moment, right words, helpful words are going to be given to her in her life. She's not coming there expecting it. She doesn't know it's coming. But these words are going to be something that will be very helpful in her soul and in her life. Helpful words are very, very important. So I'm going to give you two things today. The first one with Simeon, second one with Anna. Number one, and that is Mary receives a word of understanding. Say understanding. understanding. Very important. Very important. Before I get into it, how many of you know one of the biggest struggles of our life, and it is a big one, is when something happens or something's not playing out right, and we cannot understand why. And it racks our brain, does it not? It's like, I just wish I could understand this, and, it's, and when we can't. And what's true about life is you, I've said it, I've heard somebody say it years ago, I, I say it to you guys, we always understand in reverse. It's after I've gone through years or months or whatever, and I can look back, and I can say, now I understand. But while I'm in it, I can't understand it. I can't grasp it, what's going on or what's happening. But once I've gone through it, things have resolved, whatever happened, now I understand. So understanding is something that can um, really play with our thinking. It can really play with our faith too, if you think about it. But she's going to get a word 
of understanding. It's going to be a good one too. Now watch, I'm going to read verses 25 to 35. This is Simeon in the temple now. Watch this guy. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking. Now this guy, remember, you see what you're looking for. He's looking for the consolation of Israel. He's looking for the comfort of the people of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, before Christ died and rose from the dead and the Spirit of God came, only certain people had the Holy Spirit. Now in our lives, as believers, followers of Christ, because He's risen from the dead, we, we all have the Holy Spirit the moment we confess Christ as Savior. Amen? Amen? He lives in you. God lives in you now as a believer. That's a wild thought, isn't it? Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him so he's got a revelation from God. Thoughts have been dropped in his mind by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And though I'm not, God told me I'm not going to die until I see the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the Christ child to carry out from the custom of the law, here comes Simeon, then he took him into his arms. He takes the baby. Now, in our day and age, we're like, who do you think you are taking my baby, right? But he takes the baby and blessed God and said, here's what he says about this 40-day-year-old Jesus. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. He's saying, I can die in peace now. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, in your Bible, Bible students when you say, my eyes have seen your salvation, your mind should tilt. It should tilt back to the day that Moses stands at the Red Sea and there's no way out of the situation. Because the chariots are coming one way, there's a wall of water in front of him the other way, and God says, stand back and see the salvation of your God. Does your mind tilt that way? It should. This is a very important statement here. He says, my eyes have seen the salvation. I see it now. I, I've finally seen the fruition, the completion of this in my life, how it fits for me which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, uh, all people, a light of revelation of the Gentiles. Stop. In other words, Jesus is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone, not just for a few, not just for the Jews. It's for, it was always that way in Genesis 12 from the get-go with Abraham. They got it a little bit messed up in Acts. They thought it was just for the Jews, and God had to fix that one. And the glory of your people Israel and his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, are amazed at the things which are being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, here's what he tells her, here's the words. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. That don't sound good. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, Mary, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Whoa. She's in the temple. She's coming there to, to do her duty according to the Old Testament law. This guy shows up, takes a baby in her arms, and he gives all these words to her. That's incredible if you think about it. Right words, right time. Now, before I talk about this word that he gives her of understanding, let me segue, let me sidebar and let me just share something with you just from my heart. Can I do that for a second? Because I think it'll be very helpful. Especially if you're 
a little bit older and your kids are grown up and you have, because, you know, you, you look at things. Look, let me say it this way. As a 30 or 35 or 40-year-old preacher, I, no, I'm not saying I'm that. Calm down, okay? When I was a young preacher, uh, the scripture meant a lot to me, but now as I'm older, texts like this and statements like a guy named Simeon, they mean a lot more to me. Let me explain it. Can I? He says, I can depart in peace. That's what Simeon said. I've seen them as, I can depart in peace. Is that important? Is it important? Show you my heart. I, I have three kids. I love all my three kids. Vanessa, Nathan, Dylan. Age 38, 35, and 28. I never thought I'd have a 38 and a 35 and a 28-year-old. How did that happen? My kids aren't perfect by any means, but they're my kids. I love my kids. I love, I would do whatever it took for them in life to make it, to succeed. I would just do that. That's the way I brought up, and that's what I'll do. Um, Olivia and I, especially Olivia, because I was always in ministry, those kids were in church from the get-go. I mean, I'm talking first Sunday of their life. That's what they were. Some of you in this room, you taught Sunday school here many times, probably still do, and you taught my kids when they were younger. You helped me. You helped Olivia. You were giving them the truth of God's word. You're sharing all the stories. My kids, all three of them, went through a period in their teenage years of rebellious times. They're pastor's kids, okay? I mean, but I don't think my kids were... Well, I could tell you stories. I don't think it's bad as some other stories I've heard. But they all maneuvered through that time frame. And they all turned their hearts towards God. And they love God. They just love God. And they all serve God. That, that's just a great thing for me. Now, when I was typing this three weeks ago, I wrote down, I have three grandkids with a fourth coming in weeks. Well, I had to cross that out and put a four, okay? I have four grandkids, as you know, now, because one came four weeks early, and his name is James Nolan, right? So we got the name James, all right? They're going to call him Nolan, but, you know. <laughs> Somebody's going to call him Little Jimmy, though. <laughs> I don't care what they say. <laughs> My grandkids are already growing up in church. I like that. I like that a lot. So I'm driving after the service Christmas Eve. I, I get home and I change out of my suit because I like to wear a suit Christmas Eve service. I get home and we're driving to my sister's house, Lucia. And she lives on Ontario Avenue in Corona. And I told Livy this. I, I, get, I don't know why as I get older, I get sentimental about Christmas and stuff of this season. It makes me think back about things and, you know, you get emotional inside and you start to appreciate more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I, turn, I told Livy as I'm driving, I said, Livy, um, no, she was driving. That was even better. <laughs> I said, I'm really content, Olivia. I, I just, I'm really content. And then she says, she goes, 
are you happy with me? I said, well, that's questionable. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say, bad Jim, okay? That was bad, okay? I like tacos that my wife makes. That was bad, babe, okay? But I go, yes, I mean, absolutely, I'm content with you. I said, I don't know anybody else who could have put up with me for this long. You don't have to say amen under your breath. <laughs> but, um, and I said, I go, my life, it's like, all my kids love God. My son-in-law, my daughters and daughter-in-laws, daughters-in-law, or whatever you say it, they all love God. And, and now my grandkids are being brought up in church. I said, you know what? And I said this to her, I said, if something, and, oh, and then I added, and I've watched God do things in my life that I never thought, who would have thought, you know, who would have thought that he could do these things and build this thing and all this stuff. I said, and I said it this way. I said, if something were to happen and I were to die, I can depart in peace. I'm okay. Because I know that I think I've done everything God has told me to do, not perfectly by any means, but my kids love God, my son-in-law, my daughters-in-law love God, my grandkids are being brought up in church. I said I could depart me. Now, I don't want to die, okay? Let's get that straight right now. I think I got 20 more years, not in the senior pastor pulpit, but I'll be teaching classes all around here. You cannot get rid of me, okay? And I feel like I've learned, gleaned so much all in my life. I have still too much to give. And, you know, I, I don't read retirement in the Bible. The only thing it says about retirement is dead, okay? So I get that. Um, but see, the most important things in life are not stuff. It's not money. It's not vacations. And those are all good. They're fine. It's not even having a cool car. I haven't had a cool car since I was 23 or 25 when I got married. <clears throat> but it's not even... It's not even having a trophy husband like Olivia has. It's <laughs> That's a joke. Okay. You can laugh, Raul. You don't have to shake your head. Okay. It's the last Sunday of the year. I get to be corny, cornier. So, um, but I thought, you know, I could, I could depart in peace because things are in place. I'm content. I have peace in my life. Simeon says, my eyes have seen the salvation and now I can depart in peace you see you got to look at your life and young person are you making young parents especially are you making right decisions for those kids for your family so you can move in a trajectory towards Jesus Christ so the day comes as you're older because one day you're going to be older remember I tell you all the time I was 21 and then I blinked man and now I have a Medicare card. <laughs> at five in the morning, I wake up, my body's all sore and achy for no reason at all. Anybody know what I mean? Isn't that the worst? I told Olivia, I go, did you buy this mattress on purpose or what? I know now why they buy these expensive mattresses because it's like, man, I can't even get comfortable anymore. And I used to be a superior athlete. <laughs> Who laughed at that? But he says, I can depart in peace. My eyes have seen. See, my eyes have seen. And I'm okay. Young person, you want to raise those kids right. You want to raise a family right. You want to do the right decisions so you can say, you know what? If something happens, I can depart in peace. My wife and I, 
at night, go to bed. And she always has to kiss my neck. It's, it's just crazy, okay? Yeah, right, yeah. I wish she would do that, okay? <laughs> Why is that funny over here, okay? But, uh, um, what was I going to say? I got all that. <laughs> I was thinking about tonight. You know. So, my wife and I, at night, we uh, all read a psalm to us out loud. And the psalm, I have my phone, and the lights are out now. We're in bed, and I'm reading the psalm. We get to Psalm 119. We can't read the whole thing. It just takes about a year and a half to read that one. Okay, got to break it up. And after we read it, then turn off my phone, glasses down. I take her hand, lay in bed, and I pray. I pray for a lot of things. You give me prayers in your life, and I, and I pray. And I pray for you when you give me prayers. I keep those things at the forefront of my mind. And, and I, we do this regularly. And some of you, there's a few of you right now, as I look out, you're going through certain things. And know when you've told me what you've told me, that I, I pray for you guys. We pray for you. Peter, we pray for you every and then at the end of our prayer, at the beginning, middle, end, I always pray for my grandkids. I say, Lord, I pray these kids are spiritual dynamos. I pray they're bold as lions for the kingdom of God. I pray they love the scriptures. I, I, I just pray they're able to take in the scriptures, recollect, and share them with people with boldness yet with love. And I pray it's specific like that. And I pray they lead many to Christ. And I pray they'd walk the straight and the narrow of Scripture all their lives. They'd make a dent, a major dent in the satanic realm. And I pray it all the time. Because I want to be able to see, hopefully I'll live long to see those kids stand up and make some kind of a dent in their life, even at a young age. But I pray for that. I pray for that. Because I want to see generation after generation come to Christ and stand up for the kingdom of God. That's what matters. All the other stuff, it's just side stuff. That's what matters the most. I can depart in peace. I can't. Does that make sense? That was just my heart. Now let me get to the point now. Jim, you mean that wasn't the message? No. The point is Simeon gives Mary a word. He gives her a word that gives her understanding. It will help her cope with the situations that will come at her in life, being the mother of this Messiah child. Specifically, he says, your child is appointed for the rise and fall of many. He will be opposed. No mama wants to hear that one. It's going to pierce your own heart. What's going to happen to your boy? It's going to pierce your heart. But it's also going to expose the hearts of many. If you think about that statement, it's almost... a a contrast with equality. Your heart's going to be pierced, and yet all these other hearts are, in a sense, going to be pierced, but exposed because of this child. It's, a, it's an incredible statement, but it's a statement of pain and yet of understanding. He's given her the ability to cope with what's coming in the future. It's not going to be happening right now, but this is what's coming. This is what's coming. And he gives her understanding. Have you ever noticed that at times, or have you ever had someone give you a word out of the blue, didn't know what you're going through, and man, it just gave you 
help and understanding or something like that in your life. Has anyone ever happened that to you? See, this is something that happens in the kingdom of God. And somebody might at work say they don't even know because God can use an unbeliever also, without a doubt. I've had it happen. Now, I'm going to share with you a word that you know I've already shared this before in years past, but I'm sure it again. But let me say this first. I'm not one that goes looking for someone to give me a word. I don't do that because pretty soon I'm just going to keep looking for a word and a word when I already have the word of God. Does that make sense? This is God's word. This is, you want to dig it? You want God to speak to you? It's right here. But every so often, it's great when God gives you a word at the right time. It just helps. I'll give you the one of them that you, you've heard me say this before. This is about 2015 or 16. It was at the end of 2015. I know the time frame chronologically because remember when I had that mild heart attack in early 2016? Remember that? Because you guys made me have that. Stuff like that. Um, put me on baby aspirin every day for the rest of my life. But, um, but before that, it was a few months before that, I was, I was just going, it was rough. It had been five years of rough as being the pastor of the church. And my wife knew, and a few people knew, but for the most part, I just, the rest of it, I just keep it to myself. Because how many know you don't want to have a depressed senior pastor, right? And um, the problem was, is that God had spoke to me clearly about 2009 or 10, and he said, you got to shift some things in this church now. It's time to shift things, because if you don't shift it, and the specific was, to reach also, also a younger generation of people. You guys like having young people on stage, right? I like that a lot. They love God. I like the good mixture of it. I'm the old guy. They're the young people, okay? Um, but God said, you got to start doing this because you're, you're getting older, congregation getting older, and it's going to be a matter of time before it's so old, who's going to be the last one to lock up the church and turn off the lights? And that happens to a lot of churches, right? It happens to a lot of churches, because they never make the hard call to shift it. I made the hard call, and I stayed on it. Now, during this time, I would hear the scuttlebutt from other people, or they'd say that, and one of them was, Jim doesn't care about old people anymore. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? I'm an old person. That's like saying I don't care about me. And so, but I would hear these things, keep my mouth shut, because I knew what God told me to do. And you as a leader, how many of you know, when God tells you something, you gotta do something, you know you're gonna get a post. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you gotta stay on it. You gotta stay on track. And it's not fun. It's not fun. If you ever wonder about that, go back and read Moses when he's leading the people to the desert. And look what he, that guy went through. I went through nothing compared to that guy. But it was tough. It was five years up and down. My emotions were up and down. It was like, gosh. One night I almost resigned, I remember. I was like, I'll, only Olivia knew that until I shared with you years and years later. I had had enough opposition. And so I... I in late 2015, I go to this pastor's breakfast. And, his, and I'm still... And at the end of it, it was John Harkey. He was speaking there. And I didn't know John Harkey from John the Baptist at that time. And he says, if you need prayer, just come up. Okay, I'll come up. And he prays, comes to me and he prays for me. He goes, hmm. He goes, you've been up and you've been down. You've been up and you've been down. You've been up and you've been down. I go, you don't know the half of it. I'm thinking in my mind. And then he says, it's been 60 months. How long is 60 months? Five years. And I'm thinking, because in my mind, I've been, 
in my mind, it's always like, it's been five years, it's been five years. Like, when's it going to end? He said, it's been 60 months. So I'm going, whoa. Okay, God. And then he says, it's o- that's over now. That's over now. And the relief that I felt emotionally was great. Now, it had to transpire in the physical, which it did. It was fantastic. And then he adds this. He says, your job now is to make sure you train young people up in ministry, train them on the platform, train all these things, which I already knew, which I already knew. And so that was just another confirming piece to the entire puzzle. See, because I, had to start, I started to look at myself before this and after that, like, how many know you're just a temp in life at whatever you're doing, right? Somebody's going to come up after you, take over your position. They won't even miss a beat. They go, whatever happened to Jim? Oh, I don't know. He's gone, you know. It's going to happen to every one of us. But you've got to train up the next group, and you can't be jealous or hold on tight. Or, you can't do that. And I, knew, and I knew that, and that confirmed it to me. So I had this word that was given to me. It was like, wow. It was a great word that gave great understanding to my life. Let me tell you something. Things like that do not happen unless you're in fellowship, regular fellowship with other people. Am I right? It doesn't happen to people who are isolated or rarely part of a fellowship. It doesn't happen. It happens to people in fellowship. She got a word of understanding. And every one of us at times needs a word of understanding. Now, let's move on. The second thing now is this. Mary receives a word of comfort. A word of comfort. Whoa. Now watch, I'm going to read verses 36 to 38. Now watch here. Here comes Anna into the situation. Simeon is holding the child. He's just finished talking. Now watch verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Huh. Then a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continue to speak of him, that's Jesus, to all those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Whoa. So now Simeon finishes. Here comes Anna, and she injects all this. Now Anna, listen, think about Anna. It says that she was married at a young age, probably a real young age, Jewish woman. She was married for seven years. Her husband dies. And she's a widow at, now at the age of 84. How many know that's a long time? Now think about the pain, the grief, the sorrow, and the broken dreams of her life. Now there's two things I want to tell you about that right here. And that's this. The first one is, who's a great person to console Mary who is going to lose a child in the future? That woman, she knows what it is to lose. She knows what grief is. She knows what a broken dream is. It's the right woman at the right time to give the right word to this gal, Mary. But let me tell you the other thing. She, after losing her husband, she goes into the temple, prays and fasts all the time, and she's at age 84. Question, did she sit there and say, well, you know what, I'm going to just stew in my losses and be bitter the rest of my life? Or did she get up and move forward with her life and do something for the kingdom of God? What'd she do? She got up. She got going. Listen, I don't know who you are, where you are, what's going on, but if you're stewing over something that happened, some loss, if you're bitter over this, angry with God over that, you're wasting your time, your life. 
is moving by and it's not moving where you'd like it to move. You gotta let go. You gotta let go. You know, Jim, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Everybody here knows it's not easy. But you gotta get up and get a new mission. She got a new mission. I'm going to the temple. I'm gonna serve God. That's what I'm gonna do. When Elijah was depressed and hiding in the cave, God comes along and says, this guy needs a new mission. Go anoint this guy. Go do that. Go do this. And he gave him a new mission. You need a new mission in life because you can't stew over the old losses in life. It's a very important truth right there. Now, so this guy, this Anna comes along and comforts Mary, giving her a word of comfort. It'll be a word that comforts her in the future. But listen, watch what the Bible teaches. New Testament, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Watch this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all, God of all, comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Nutshell, what is he saying? When you and I have gone through some pretty traumatic things, God comforts us, does he not? We're to take the way God has comforted us and partner with God to comfort other people that are going through things or even similar things. That's one of the things we're to do. We should be doing that. This should be a regular thing in our life. We comfort others. Okay, let me share with you something that happened a couple weeks ago. So, um, in a pastor's life, and you've experienced this, but in a pastor's life, you just this is kind of like a very repetitive thing. You can have a week where you have a family, a person, great joy in their life, and they share it with you. Oh, that's outstanding. But in that same week, maybe a day or two later, you can have someone who's going through misery. And this is always, this is an ongoing thing. On the one hand, you rejoice. On the other side, you feel somewhat powerless. So two weeks ago, how many went to the harbor cruise? Went on that cruise. Okay. Well, that night I was, if you notice, I'd be looking at my phone because I was getting word. There was a lady in our church who'd been coming to church 15 years, and she was at the end. She was at UCI Medical Center in Orange. And so I'm on my phone. If I was going to get word, then I had to, I had to leave the cruise. After I got off, I, then I'd head down there and not join you guys for anything afterwards. So, but the word came back. They, they, no, they couldn't set it up. And so I came to church Sunday morning. And right before, I always turn my phone off before I come out because I don't want you guys to tell me, tell them I said hi, you know. <laughs> that already happened once about seven years ago. And so I saw it said, they, they said, can you come today? And I know that I had services. I had to go. Uh, I was going to Kenny Bustamante's birthday party afterwards. Some of you went to that. He's been an usher here for years and years and years. And that'd be, it was very important because there were circumstances surrounding that. And, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do, you know? And, and so I go, and then uh, Reggie Franz, who serves in the AV room, and he drives from Huntington Beach to serve in the AV room. Been doing it for years. Been a very good friend of mine. And um, b bothers me, but he's a good friend of mine, okay? <laughs> I say that to him all the time. Um, so he's going with me, and we go to Kenny's party, and 
and there's no and I'm, I'm texting now no word yet what time and then we go to eat and uh, then finally the text starts coming in the message from this person who's the go-between for them and and uh, this woman's been battling cancer for 12 years coming here for 10 years something like that something like that she's been coming here 15 and finally they say yeah can you come tonight I go I can, I can come like 4.15 I can get there at 4.15 thereabouts and finally the word comes back that'll work so we finish our food Reggie tells me I'll drive you to Orange County now understand he's already driving me and we're eating in Riverside now that's where we had to go to he lives in Huntington Beach. I said, you're going to drive me to Orange and then bring me back to Corona and then you're going to drive home to Huntington Beach? He goes, yeah. I'm thinking, don't let this guy go. <laughs> I go, okay, if you want to go, it's okay. So then we go out there and you know, you got to show that you've been vaccinated, wear your mask, I have my AG card, everything to go in. And, um, we, and he goes, and he goes in with me. And then we get up there to the ICU area, and he goes, uh, I think he said, can I go in? I go, you want to go in? Yeah, okay, come on, let's go in. And so we go in, and there she is. And she's really weak. And she, can't, she can say a few words, but not too much. She types what she wants to say in her phone, and her husband reads it to us. And uh, let me tell you, I'm sitting there, and she's in her 40s. I think she's in her 40s. Some of you knew her, Lori Medina. Her, she has a great attitude. Her husband's got a great attitude. But she's got teenage kids, two teenage kids. And we're talking, and, and I'm a lighthearted guy in situations. I don't like to make everything heavy. I like to joke around. I like to make it lighthearted. I'm not the type that likes to be around people that everything is heavy and everything's got to be there. I just, I can't do it, man. I can't. Life's too short. So, um, we're talking and uh, and joking, and then finally um, she she texts. She goes, "I want the reason she wanted me there was I want you to perform my funeral service." And I go, "Absolutely," because if I don't, I see her in heaven, and then she's mad. You know? <laughs> you know? And so, and I'm talking to her about resurrection, and you know, thank God we had that. And I said, as I was prayed for her, then I said, "Look, I will see you again." I will see you again because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that with all my heart. So I get up and I walk out. I'm walking out and I go and I hug her and I kiss her. I think I kissed her on the cheek. It's the first time I'd ever really met her or talked to her. And I walk out and Reggie's in there the whole time with me. And Reggie, I look and Reggie goes and then Reggie kisses her on top of the head. And I'm thinking, Mr exterior hard shell tough guy Reggie you know this is all a joke and a game all these years you show and he's all softy and everything like that I wish I could have got a picture of that man so we walk out and I'm saying bye to the husband the kids and then I hear it I hear Reggie he's walking behind me as we're walking out and Reggie says these words he turns to the husband, he says, if you ever need someone to talk to, I've been there. And I go, that's right. My God. Because see, Reggie lost his first wife 
years and years ago with four kids. And I thought, he's the perfect person to come in here with me because I can't quite relate to this. He can. But he says, if you ever need someone to talk to, I've been there. See, he's ready to give the right word at the right time. We all need a right word at the right time. There will come a time when we need it. And Mary, because she avails herself and obeys the Old Testament laws at the time, and she comes to that temple and she's around people, at the very moment she receives a word of understanding for a situation coming up and a word of comfort. Now I want you to think about that. Nothing. Flash forward now in Mary's life. About 33 years from that moment, she's going to see her son up on a cross. And you've got to imagine the words that are fluttering through her mind. Because first is the understanding. Yeah, Simeon said, my heart would be pierced. My heart would be pierced. And it is pierced. But Anna said, this is for the redemption of Israel, for Jerusalem. So that's a good thing. It's killing me on one side, but it's comforting me on the other side. And she received both those words that helped her maneuver through an extremely painful situation. It will still hurt. It will still hurt, but she'll understand why. Friends, we go through so many situations in life. It's still going to hurt, but we can get understanding as to why. But you'll only get that understanding if you're around people. It doesn't come to people who pull away and don't come into the fellowship. God himself is a fellowship of three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's a fellowship. And he's given us the picture of fellowship. And if we come together regularly, there'll be those times, right word at the right time, that's going to be perfect for your life. That's going to help you going to help you. Or you'll be the person because you're in fellowship who gives that word to somebody else. Right word at the right time. And we all need it at times. Amen. Series over. Del Campo out. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at NBCC.com Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.